Hello, I'm Whitney Sewell with LifeBridge Capital, uh, owner and operator of LifeBridge Capital. If you want to learn about multifamily real estate investing, then you need to listen to my good friend Sam Newell's podcast, Recession Proof Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Sam Newell, your host, and it is my goal to educate you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. I interview the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they have learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become my goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. Well, thanks for being on. I really appreciate you scheduling the time. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad I can do it. How's the podcast going? You know, it's, it's good. I think, I guess we'll see. I haven't listened to myself yet and uh, it launches in about two weeks. So we'll see. I'm a little bit nervous on my, my interviewing skills, but I've had some good people on like you and I think that'll save me. Yeah. I would say, don't listen to yourself. <laughs> I, you know, anyway, no, I mean, it's just, yeah, you're, you're only going to get better by doing it. And so, yeah, I would almost say like, don't listen to yourself. Just keep rolling. <laughs> keep doing it. Right. Yeah. Well, how has yours been going? I mean, you, you do it daily and, and I feel like you've had a ton of just awesome guests on the show. We have, and, and I've done a bunch of interviews today. Um, that's what I've been doing all day today is just back-to-back interviews. And, and so it is, it's going good. I mean, it has, I get questions so many times every week about, you know, has it been worth it? Is it, you know, cause so many people are, you know, are looking to start a podcast, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, I definitely wouldn't be where, I, where I'm at if it wasn't for the podcast. Awesome. So, so I'm kind of curious, what benefits have you seen and, and what's probably the stuff, things that have made it worthwhile? So uh, I get that question. That's next. And, uh, and I would, I, you and I would not be having this conversation right now if I, if I hadn't started my podcast. So, right. you know, I wouldn't have been in Rod's group and, and, you know, would have never met you. And, and that's the, I mean, that's the answer that I can, for everybody I'm talking to, yeah. not everybody. So many people, you know, I can say, I wouldn't know you. You would not know who I am if it wasn't for the podcast, you know, so. But networking component alone is, I mean, uh, you know, is hands down probably the biggest benefit. But but outside of that, you know, obviously you're, you're just, you're able to now add value and create tons of content and, and, you know, to so many people in the business. And so, yeah, and just bringing credibility to yourself. I mean, it's, there's so many values. Right. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, we're recording and I usually just kind of like to talk to you about, you know, start casually. I I don't know how you start. Well, I guess I've heard your podcast, but, you know, tell me a little bit about what you got going on and, and other than a daily podcast for syndication, but talk about that too a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't guess I realized this was part of the show, but so yeah, lots going on, lots happening with LifeBridge Capital and, and, you know, obviously with the podcast and, and so my, personally, my wife and I just uh, completed our third adoption. So we just brought our daughter home. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's obviously, it's been a lo- very long roller coaster. Adoption process is just, it is a roller coaster, but very worthwhile. It's what I tell everybody. I don't sugarcoat it, but it's very worthwhile. And so, well, congrats, uh, man. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. And then, you know, we, we closed on 180 units about, or about eight weeks ago now. And, and we are, I'm actually, you know, our, we're touring properties all the time or every week now, but I'm going somewhere. I don't know how many weekends over the next 
two months, uh, just different conferences and going to different markets and, you know, and looking at, you know, touring properties and things like that. So a lot's happening, you know, and we're just meeting lots of investors and having some great calls. I, I told somebody else this past couple of weeks have probably been my most productive yet as far as just some really quality investor calls, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, or, and I'll just say a different type of investor, you know, than, uh, or just, you know, higher net worth individuals. And, and it's just, you know, so that's been really good. And, and, uh, but it's just being consistent. You know, I did a I recorded, you know, almost a dozen shows today myself. And, and, uh, and so wow. it's just, yeah, it's being consistent and just keep pushing. Awesome, man. Well, so yeah, congrats again on the, the adoption. My older brother's adopted by the way. Awesome. And that's just, that's really neat. There's a lot of babies that are kids that need a good place to live. So that's awesome. I feel like I adopted someone. I, I served a LDS mission in my, when I was night for my church, when I was 19 till I was 21 and down in Peru. And, you know, you, you make a lot of friends and family, you know, kind of feel like they're part of the family after a while. And I had a kid come live with us for a few years here in Utah. It was kind of funny though, cause he called me up. He said, Hey Sam, how's it going? And I said, Oscar, you know, I haven't heard from you in seven, eight years. How you doing? He said, oh, I'm coming to, coming to the United States. And, you know, I was all excited for him. And then I said, oh, well, where are you going to come now that you have a visa to the U.S.? He said, oh, I think I'm going to come to Utah. And I said, oh, Oscar, that's amazing. That's where I live. And he said, I know. Can I live with you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, that's why you're calling. <laughs> um, but, you know, we sponsored him to come up here and, and, you know, he's only, he's 26 years old, but I seriously felt like his dad for the whole time he lived here. We helped him, you know, paid for him to get into school, paid for him to go to the dentist for the first time, bought him clothing, bought him everything. And I, I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, man, I'm really lucky. I feel, feel like I kind of had a teenager before I've actually had teenagers. And, you know, we had to talk to him about staying out late with his friends, not getting his homework done, not getting good grades. And uh, it's a total, total sidetrack story, but you know, it's, it's uh, more power to you for adopting because that's, that's so cool that, you know, you can really change those people's lives and those kids' lives from where they probably would have been otherwise. Definitely a big change for them. But I, I, I tell everybody that we're the blessed ones or we're the, you know, my wife and I are so fortunate to have them in our family. I mean, we're, yeah. we're so blessed. Well, and, and that's kind of why why I brought that up is, you know, we spent a lot of time and money on this kid and he moved out and, but uh, we were really blessed as well. We, we felt a lot of joy for helping this kid out and he's a great guy, met a girl, might get married now, but it was so uh, different for us, but also really rewarding helping this, this guy out and learning a lot about ourselves and, and our marriage and, and being kind of parents, even though he's a buddy, not a kid, but it was fun. Cool. So you just closed on 180 units and, you know, we're here to talk about real estate syndication, but before we talk about that, you know, when you were in high school, were you thinking about law enforcement, FBI, were you thinking about flying uh, fighter jets like I was, I was planning on going to the Air Force Academy. I also wanted to have a family, but tell me a little bit about what you wanted and what you saw yourself doing. You know, I would say in high school, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted you know, I, I didn't know. I wasn't uh, so grew up in a very small town, one stoplight. There's just not a whole lot happening, and and it's unfortunate that you know growing up there, like you, your eyes aren't open to like 
all the possibilities, you know, of, mm -hmm. of even entrepreneurship, really. I mean, very little, you know, it's like you're, you're really coached and, you know, you got to get a good education and you get that good job. But in the small town, a good job could mean being the barber or being, you know, like you don't have to go to college, but like, you know, have some, like, that's what most people see is like that, you know, that's what most people do. Right. And yeah. so, and so, you know, our, my eyes weren't open to, I haven't, I didn't see much at that time. You know, I didn't see much of the world. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so somehow, you know, the Lord really had other plans. Right. And so, you know, I thought I, you know, might make a plan of what I was going to do and, and different things. I didn't plan to go to college. I just didn't feel like that was for me. And, and so joined the military and that helped me to see a little bit of the world, you know, and helped me to open my eyes to this, like this bigger thing out there, you know? And, and so, you know, spent a year in Iraq, come home. And then it was like, wow. what, what, you know, what am I qualified to do? You know? And so, you know, so, but a mil from being military, I was, you know, a shoe in to be a, a police officer, you know? And so out of, you know, over a thousand applicants as a one of five that was hired with Kentucky state police. And, and, and so, you know, I thought, okay, you know, this is great. I really, uh, I love doing that. But, but I didn't see doing any of that in high school. You know, it was just like all these things that, that, you know, the Lord just had all these, these, this plan, these steps, right. That, that one thing mm -hmm. qualified me for the next thing. And, and, uh, but I didn't see any of that in high school. Got it. So kind of by default, you found your way and it sounds like the military kind of shaped you and, and how long were you in the military? I had six years active in the guard and two years of active duty. Got it. And, and sorry, what, what part of the military was that? Army. 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 National. Got it. Got it. So you're in Iraq with the army for, for a year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for your service, by the way. It seems like a lot of the really quality people I've been meeting and having on my podcast have all been in the military. You know, we've got quite a few of them in our group, actually. Mm. Oh, well, uh, you're welcome. I'm happy to have, to have served. Yeah. Well, so tell me about uh, real estate and syndication because you didn't go right into it. You've actually had a career in, in law enforcement for you know a number of years and and it sounds like you, you were interested in real estate, but you really kind of went full-time recently, right? So, you know, at that time, and I'll I kind of go in from uh, the story I just had. So, you know, went and came home from overseas and was trying to think, okay, what you know, what can I do? What am I qualified to do? I was trying to figure that out. And, you know, I thought, okay, you know, I always thought about being a police officer, but, you know, it wasn't just like extremely gung-ho, but I thought, no, you know, this is going to be good. So then I, I did become gung-ho, wanted to do it. And, I, and I, I enjoyed working the road with Kentucky State Police. I, I really enjoyed it. We had, you know, great camaraderie with some other guys that I worked with. And, and it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun times, a lot of high stress times as well, of course, but, but I enjoyed it until, you know, finally, I was, you know, realizing that, okay, you know, or actually, I got married, you know, right, and some things changed, right, and now it's not as fun than working every night, weekend, and holiday, you know, getting into just, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff that you're, you love doing when you first get hired as a police officer, right, you know, right. and then, but my wife and I just passed each other in the hallway the first whole year of marriage, and so it's like, okay, you know, I've got to, I've got to find something, uh, else I can do. Right. And initially it right. was to try to supplement my income because it was so low, you know, as a police officer and there was no room for advancement. And, but then mm -hmm. also I was like, okay, this is not what's best long-term for our family. And so in came real estate and quickly, you know, tried to educate myself. I, I say now I didn't educate myself near enough, but you know, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, you know, and, and jumped mm -hmm. in and bought uh, a couple triplexes. I mean, 
actually really quick and, and learned a lot the hard way. So we start, you know, at, at this syndication thing, I, I'd never, never even dreamed of being able to do what we're doing now. You know, I mean, right. back then, never, if you'd asked me, Whitney, what about buying that apartment complex? Like my mind wasn't there. I, I'd never seen the, the possibility of doing that. And, you know, I would have said, oh, maybe 20 years from now, or I don't know who that guy is that can buy that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I was just thinking that I had to stick with these small multifamilies or single family. And so, and that's what, so that's what we started with. Awesome. So it started with a couple of triplexes and do you have any war stories or horror stories from those triplexes or any other real estate deals you've done? You know, those, I would say that like those, those triplexes, that first property that we purchased, you know, we learned the most from probably, you know, like in a condensed period, of course uh-huh. I was self-managing, but so, I, you know, I was managing them while also, you know, as I was a police officer, but it, it was really the, the time loss with my, or mentally as well, with my new bride, that was the worst part, you know, yeah. and I didn't do enough due diligence, you know, so I didn't, I, while I had some, you know, one big thing that I, I learned was, you know, have somebody that specializes in HVAC come and look at the HVAC stuff. Okay. You know, like, like at the time, I didn't know any better, but I hired, I hired yeah. somebody that was a professional you know, inspector, he came and he looked in every nook and cranny and attic and all these things. And I followed him around trying to learn myself. But, you know, I just assumed that he knew about the HVAC stuff or other things. You know, I just assumed that like, if there's something that I need to know, he's going to tell me. And, and I mean, because he has a big reputable name company. And, you know, I don't feel like that's what I received, you know, later on down the road. right? Right. So then things came up that it's like, well, you know, I should have known this or shouldn't he have told me or, you know, but ultimately I should have had a professional that specializes in HVAC or, or even just understanding running numbers and things like that. I didn't network enough at at that time. It was back in 09, even, even when it ever deal should have been good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it wasn't, it wasn't a great deal. You know, we got taken advantage of and, and thankfully we didn't lose any money, but, but we learned a lot. It was poor due diligence and then also just self-managing, you know, was another mistake because it just, you know, took me away from being able to focus on growing the business or even focus on spending time with family or any of those things. And so it was a big stressor, but we learned a lot and and we've moved on to do bigger and better things now. So That's awesome. You know, I, I love when we learn and it doesn't cost us money because there's a lot of learning experience that do cost you money. Rod Cleef calls them his uh, seminars. Right. You know, um, I just call them painful learning experiences where you lose money and uh, we've all had those, I think, but that's great that you're able to come out and, and maybe you had some brain damage and, and some stress you got taken <laughs> advantage of, but, uh, but it sounds like you came out on top. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, considering the learning from that and then the, that we didn't just quit, you know, we, we came out ahead. Awesome. Well, you know, I have an interesting question for you. You and I started similar time. I bought my first uh, flip in 2010 took advantage of that crazy low market where every deal was kind of crazy good. But Grant Cardone says you should never, ever, ever buy anything under 16 doors. And I disagree with them, but I'm kind of curious to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, of the size of property and should you buy yeah. something small? Yeah. So, you know, I did, I mean, I bought smaller multis and bought up to a 15 unit, which we still have and, but nothing else. We don't have anything else other than larger, the syndicated deals now. But so personally, I I never plan to buy anything less than a hundred units. You know, if there's a, unless it means, so here, here's one exception uh, that I can think of at the moment. I won't say there, there'll never be other exceptions and I, and I won't say I'll never buy a four unit because you know, there's, 
always that possibility for some reason. However, sure. so, you know, when getting into a new market, sometimes you have to, you might have to like to buy a smaller property or, you know, something like that to kind of, to show brokers are serious and things like that. It still has to meet, you know, the criteria and it still has to be a good deal. All those things provide, you know, the returns that your investors are looking for, all that, of course. However, you know, there, there's more competition sometimes when you're, you know, 100 plus or 150 plus, you know, for those properties. And so sometimes to get into a market, you may have to buy a property that's 65 units, you know, yeah. and that's, you know, and that's, that's something that I would be open to at that time. But as far as a, you know, a dozen units or 15 units or a duplex anymore, that's not my plan or my focus anymore. And, and I say the, uh, majority of the time, it doesn't take that much more work to do the due diligence and the legwork, yep. the underwriting, all those things for the hundred units as it does the 50. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to make more money, honestly, on the hundred unit than you are the 50, you know, yep. if they're the, let's say if they're the same deal, the same location, all that stuff, you know, right. Um, but, and so that's, that's why, you know, now that we can go a lot larger and my eyes have been open to these possibilities, you know, and, and we're pushing forward, uh, I would, I feel like I would be, there would be a lot of opportunity loss if I'm spending my time on the four, on another fourplex or something like that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's what Grant Cardone and, and to be honest, most experienced, sophisticated investors like you say is, well, yeah, you mean you can buy the smaller deals, but why would you, if it's really not that much more work and time to do the due diligence on the larger items and on the larger properties and then you get economies of scale, you get a lower risk profile with those properties typically because of economies of scale. You get a non-recourse loan where your credit isn't at stake, you know, if the property goes down and hopefully that doesn't ever happen. And, you know, there, there's a number of other, other things. But what I've noticed is a lot of people are just very intimidated by the size, by the price tag, the size and the down payment because they say, well, I don't. I don't have 500,000. I don't have a million, $5 million for the down payment. So why would I ever consider that? Well, I think the answer is, and, and I, I would love to know what you think. I think you form strategic partnerships and you maybe stay away from the smaller deals because you can partner with someone and, and get just as good or better returns with a lot less risk. Less risk. And, and one thing I would add there is like, you know, having a professional management team, you know, even mm -hmm. if it's, even if you develop your own management company, and I know a few guys that have done that and have done it very well, but I mean, you know, more majority of the guys though in the industry are, are hiring that third party, but either way, there's a professional third party management team. So I'm no longer taking those tenant calls or, you know, taking, you know, my toilets overflowing or, you know, whatever it may be, the neighbor's dog is barking too much or like, I'm not taking any more of those calls. Right. Right. You know, it's a totally different business now. And so than, than it was back in 09 or 10, you know, it's totally different. And that's one thing that really drawed me to, to the syndication business is just the professional business. And we can grow, you know, we can grow a lot faster, but it's also, you know, I'm, I'm working with professionals and, and, you know, we're looking at professional reporting and like, it's like, we can atomize all this stuff and figure out what's works and what doesn't. And, and, you know, there's other people who are, doing the day-to-day -day stuff and I can focus over here where I need to focus and spend the time, my time more wise, wisely, you know? Uh, so anyway, right. yes. No, I think you're exactly right. And, and I think that's what Grant Cardone gets at is, you know, you can scale, you can scale faster, better, lower risk, have better returns. And, and so I agree and I disagree with them. I disagree with them because I think you have to start somewhere and 
if you want 100% control and if you want to do your own deals, then, then do your own deals. You know, I'm just bought two more townhomes and I own a triplex and two other townhomes and have sold a few other properties this year. Um, I'm selling most of those assets to go into syndication, but there's a few of the smaller assets I'll probably never sell because they're so hassle free. They're in an A plus location. So, so I think Grant has a really good point. And I think the point is you only have so much time if you can partner with someone, absolutely go big. And my point is, well, there's some people it may be right to start smaller and do a couple deals on your own, learn how to management. If you eventually want to be a syndicator and, and an, an asset manager, then maybe you do need to do a, a few smaller deals and, and have that brain damage and have that experience and, and know how it works. Yeah, it's not for everybody. I mean, the syndication business, but you know, I, like I was speaking at a, a local REI club the other night and somebody, you know, they, they all went around and introduced themselves and said what they have done recently. And somebody was like, I just closed on my first duplex and somebody else, I just did my first wholesale. And I was like, all right, you know, like good for you. Like this is, yeah. this is good. You know, like you're making ground, like you've done something to get to that first deal. Right. I mean, that's, it's yep. good stuff. You know, it's definitely not an issue that they didn't do a large apartment deal, you know. So, you know, I know plenty of successful people that have only done single family homes and even in a market that I would never invest in, you know, and they've, you know, they've been doing it for 30 years or longer and they're, they're very successful, but it's just not the path that, that I'm choosing. Right. No, I appreciate that. Well, well let's get back to you and, and your story. So you went from the army to mm -hmm. state police you decided you wanted to supplement your income, start investing. So you got into real estate, bought some triplexes. What, what happened next? Yeah. So I, I still had that income problem, right. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I was trying to, you know, find, we all want to like fix that as quick as possible. Right. It can't yeah. happen fast enough. And so I was introduced to a, a gentleman that had a, it was a federal and a uh, federal officer. And so, you know, in another position I didn't even know existed and he helped me through the entire hiring process. I bet I went federal. And so I left state police and got a federal position and uh, which was a big step up. You know, it's the most, like it's most police officers, not all, but most of them like dream of having the federal, you know, going federal. It's very difficult to get hired. And, and, and so, but it was good. It was a great job. That's the problem though. It was, you know, still a job. Right. And, but it, it was a really big blessing to our family. It was better pay, better hours, all those things, you know? And, and so, but it, it made us move to Virginia. And so we, we were, I grew up in Kentucky and, and then we moved to Virginia for this position. And even through that entire process, you know, it really helped uh, open my eyes to bigger things, right. You know, the outside of this, you know, where I grew up and all that and, and even other real estate. And so, you know, when we moved to Virginia, I kept buying and selling some small stuff and up to the 15 unit. And then it just kind of, it finally hit me that it was going to be very difficult to scale this. Like, I mean, this is going to take so much work, right? You know, if I'm managing, if I'm, you know, looking for another single family house or duplex, whatever it may be, like this is going to take a lot of transactions to get me where, where we want to be, you know, and then right. even, you know, am I going to be the one managing all this? That's still a lot of work, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, syndication business is a lot of work, but it's different, you know, very yeah. different. And so, and so I was introduced, I think through either a podcast or book, I can't remember exactly where, but you know, this real estate syndication and I, I'd never, I'd never heard of that before. And so that, that led me on the, the trail or the path to educating myself about the syndication business. And then it just, it just seemed obvious to me that that's, that's the route I needed to take. Yep. Awesome. So you took it and now you're closing on 108, 
180 unit deals. Yes. So yeah. And, and, you know, it wasn't, I mean, I would say to get to 180 units, it was faster than most people would, would think, you know? So, you know, if, if you'd have told me that a few years ago, I'm like, you know, like I said, it's just, I don't know when that will happen, you know, but yeah. when you understand a process of getting there and, and really you're just persistent and you're determined, got to have some determination, you know, uh, and, and I mean, you, you can make it happen. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, what, what's happened in the last couple of years. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, and, and a, would you say a large part of that is because of your podcast and your consistency there? So I would say it's because of uh, it just, well, I would say the Lord, number one and foremost, and, and then having a, an extremely supportive spouse. <laughs> I have to give her awesome. like majority of the credit by far. That's why I can, you know, do this for however many hours a day. And, and uh, anyway, so, but, and just having the drive really. And, and I go back to a story or I, I tell people when I was in boot camp, even, you know, most, most, most young guys and gals, you know, and you know, if you're, if you're in the military, join the military boot camp, a lot of times is like the first time that you've really been challenged sometimes, mm -hmm. especially physically and sometimes mentally as well, but especially physically. And, right. and, you know, that's their whole goal is to teach you what you can put your body through. And I, and I, and there's this time when we're right at the end of boot camp, you know, they march you out, you're carrying all your stuff in a backpack, you're carrying a weapon, you got your helmet on, you know, all this gear and they march you out 15 or 20 miles. They keep you awake for about three days thinking you're getting shot at, all, you know, just all kinds of running around, all kinds of madness. You know, you and your battle buddy are digging foxholes and, you know, pretending like you're trying to stay alive, right? While you're right. getting yelled at all the time. And then, you know, but then after that third day, you got, you know, you haven't slept hardly at all. And now you got to turn around and march wow. back, right? And, wow. and you just think this is just, I mean, is this ever going to end? You know, you've never done anything like this before. You've never pushed your body that way. And, yeah. but I remember marching back, you know, on the side of the road and I know they do this on purpose, but they have this Humvee go up the road in between. There's like a, a line of you on both sides of the road and they have a Humvee go up the middle, just real slow, you know? And as he goes by in the back of that Humvee are the guys who have quit. Yeah. You know, they've said, I'm done. Like I can't, they've said, I can't do it, you know? And, yeah. you know, and, and I think it's a good tactic too. like all the drill sergeants when everybody else to see these guys quit, you know? <laughs> and so I made up my mind right there. I'm not quitting. I can do yeah. this, you know, I'm not quitting. And then, you know, from that to police Academy, obviously to a year overseas, there's numerous things that have taught me, okay, you know, like this is not that bad, you know, right. I can do this. <laughs> and, and so it's having that mindset. I think that's, that's been like, help me to get where I'm at and, and keep pushing. And, and really this, the Lord giving me faith to, like, you know, he's helping me every step of the way and helping us to be successful. I love that. Don't jump in the, in that Humvee. <laughs> That's right. Don't quit. That's awesome, man. So, so just determination, but let's talk about your wife for a second, because, you know, I was trying to decide if I was going to work with this new partner of mine and he was trying to decide if you wanted to work with me. And, and he asked a great question. He said, Hey, Sam, you know, I want to know, tell me about your wife. Is she supportive? And luckily I can say, yes, she's actually right now, I'm about ready to jump on a plane to Albuquerque. She's moving us into one of our rentals tomorrow while our house is being built. So she's moving us on her own. I mean, she's getting movers, but I have a very supportive wife who sees the vision. And I'm very lucky because most of my friends and business partners I've had in the past don't have that at all. So tell me about that and how, how much of a blessing that is for you. 
Um, I can't speak highly enough and I'll have to tell her to listen to the show, right? But, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough and how important it is that your spouse is on board. And so I would not have been able to do this. So, you know, working full time, while yep. also, you know, also doing a daily podcast, I can't tell you, you know, how much work that is alone, much less, mm-hmm. you know, everything else that's going on, but, you know, working full time, doing a daily podcast, and then also, and that's, that's 30 interviews a month, you know, so that's, you know, wow. right? there's so much yeah. into that as you, as you're learning. I mean, there's so much into podcasts, so much work behind the scenes that you don't get to see you know, you don't know about when you're just listening to it in the gym. But then also we were doing deals. I'm also raising capital, you know, also all the marketing stuff and, and doing due diligence, all these things. And then, you know, we're, we're in our third adoption, you know, we've been through three adoption processes and all that's been happening, you know, a lot at the same time. And, and we've also moved twice in that period as well, which is a, another crazy, you know, things that to add to the mix. And so all that could not happen if she was not supportive. I mean, if you can imagine the stress on a spouse when you're working 80 hours a week and you're, you're moving next weekend and I mean, and you're in an adoption process and you know, the attorney's calling about the adoption and they need these documents and they need this much money. And you know, all these things that are happening, if she wasn't supportive, it it couldn't happen. And just like you, when I met my partner, we had those calls with our spouses as well. And, and, you know, it's, it's so important. I couldn't do it. She's running the whole house. People say, how do you do it? And I say, are you kidding? I'm running the business and she does everything else. (laughs) You know, she does. And and that's a, yeah, that's another reason I want more time. You know, I want to be able to spend more time with her and the kids and help her more as well. But, but yes, if you're, you got to convince your spouse and they've got, and I appreciate you saying, saying also seeing the vision. Yeah. And so our big why is helping families fund the adoption process, you know, that are wanting to adopt children and can't afford it. And, you know, it's 40 to 60 grand a lot of times to adopt a child and most families mm-hmm. can't afford it. So she's passionate about adoption as well. And she understands that like this business is going to help us to help many families adopt. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, that, so she does play a big role in this, even though she's not big into real estate, if that makes, uh, makes any sense. So I couldn't, I couldn't um, say enough about her and her support and, and how important it is. Wow, that's awesome. So you guys want to, part of your why, to help others adopt just like you have. And it is expensive. And it's, it's also, I mean, I've watched my friend's parents do it. I've had friends do it. And it, it's a lot of back and forth. And I just had a friend the week they were supposed to go pick up the baby, the mom decided to keep it. And, and that was heart wrenching and, and very, you know, saddening for them. So I know it's a a crazy process. So good for you guys. Thank you. You know, and, and, you know, I think the why is, is huge. You know, you can make a lot of money in real estate. If you're just trying to make money though, that's probably not the, the best goal to have. I would say our goal is, to help a lot of people. We want to help the residents in the communities. I, as a real estate agent for the past nine years, I've sold a lot of apartment complexes where the owners were slumlords. They loved saving every penny they possibly could. They would never respond to the tenants. Tenants would have mold or mice, rats, cockroaches. They didn't care. They just wanted to, to bleed that property dry for every nickel and dime they could. And, and I just, I've grown to really despise those type of investors absolutely don't want anything to do with them. And, and I've seen the benefit of a, of a pro, a good owner that, you know, someone who buys a property rehabs, it actually cares about the people inside. And, and that's actually really exciting to myself and my partners. And I'm sure to you guys as well to provide quality housing where a lot of renters are used to slumlords. 
yeah, so yeah, obviously we care about our communities as well. I mean, it is, it's, it's a great benefit to the business, just like you're talking about to be able to help, you know, this many people, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, hundred unit complex, so there's a hundred families potentially there that you're able to, you know, help in some way, you know, or, and there's other, other things you can do, you know, outside of that, but of course to help those families, but yeah, I mean, just providing them a great place to live that's safe and, you know, where they can find some security, you know, and just raise their kids is, there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. You know, usually every Thanksgiving time we pick a family to kind of buy Thanksgiving dinner for someone that's struggling. And, and I'm excited to do that as part of our, you know, when we're owning these apartments and, and excited to do that for our tenants every year and provide something for them that's a little bit nicer, you know, because again, money isn't, isn't everything. It sure helps though, when you're making good money and you can help others and give of yourself and your own time. And it sounds like you and your wife, but that's one of your big goals is to help others and give back and help more people adopt, which I think is huge. You have to have something more than just money driving you. Yes, I agree completely. If it, and, and, it's, and it's hard to get other people on board with you as well. You know, even investors, you know, would much rather invest with somebody that like has a vision outside of just growing their own wallet. Mm -hmm. you know, so that, you know, they get to play a role in helping these families adopt children. And, you know, and so there's, you know, there's investors that like that, that we're doing something bigger than just, like I said, trying to buy a bigger house for ourselves or whatever, you know, financially. Yep. That's huge. That's so cool. That's really neat. Well, Whitney, I'm, I'm curious, do you have any advice or, you know, the name of this podcast is uh, recession proof real estate investing. So you and I really started paying attention to the market when we started buying in 2009, 10, we took advantage of the recession. Do you have any examples or advice of maybe people that are not doing that or that are going to be in trouble the next time the recession hits? Mm. You know, people who are, uh, there's a few things, but buying for appreciation instead of cash flow, you know, I feel like mm -hmm. that's pretty risky, you know, or people who uh, just make sure you have, a little bit longer time baked into the deal than you plan on holding it. And if it is a long-term hold, then just make sure you have something you know, built into that. You don't, you know, you can't increase the rate can increase above a certain percentage. And so right. maybe it's five points, maybe it's three points, but maybe pay a little bit more upfront for that peace of mind later on. So that's like probably one of the biggest mistakes is like getting into loans with no real exit strategy and, and then just praying for the best. I mean, you really have to have something actionable because especially with private financing and local bank financing is their appetites change. You know, I might say today, Hey, I, yeah, I want payments. I'll, I'll extend your loan for another 10 years, but who knows in 10 years, I might say, no, no, I need the money for something else, you know? And, and that's the, and that's the thing people's desires and wants change. So make sure you bake that into your deal to have that soft landing. And, and I think the other thing, you know, a lot of people are, again, they're looking at those four and 5% cap rates and just, you know, thinking that they can do a value add where the value adding may, may be done. And so if yeah. you might be able to keep raising that rent, but that's really what, when the recession comes, you know, the tip of the spear, so to speak, is that a class property that you've raised the rents to like the top of the market. Yep. That's what really gets affected is the very top of the market, and the very bottom of the market. So, you know, can you be in something that's safe that like, you know, if somebody loses their job because unemployment all of a sudden spikes up to eight or 9%, 10% and, and then rent renters, you know, are probably going to be the ones first affected. Right. And so, you know, are, are they going to be able to afford the rent on unemployment? You know, if you're at a seven, $800 a month rent or even a thousand dollar a month rent, 
they might be able to make make ends meet, but if their rent's four thousand dollars a month, they're screwed, man. That's a tough yeah. that's a tough call if they lose their job. So I think you know, um, not saying to stay away from a class property, but um, I I like just <laughs> caution yourself from like, yeah. can I, you know, can I really add this all this extra value here, or am I just being overly optimistic because so many people just want to do a deal to say they've done a deal, yep. you know, and I get that. I mean, I, I, I feel like that all the time. I, you know, you yep. want to do deals, but you know, you don't want to do anything that's going to like, you know, put in jeopardy everything you've worked hard to do. Uh, you, you had some really good points there. The, the one I want to go back to is that, that clause where, okay, if I have a balloon payment and for the listeners that don't maybe understand a balloon payment, you're, the loan ends maybe at year 10 and all of a sudden you have to pay the balance of the loan. And sometimes you don't have a million bucks on hand, you know, most of the time or, or if you're banking on refinancing and rates have gone up by a huge amount, that can be really tough to do. And I actually know a couple operators, they're doing three and five year loans and, Mm -hmm. and they're not worried about it because they just think these low rates are going to stay low forever. But what if rates go up and values don't go up as much as you think? You're not necessarily going to be able to refi or sell at the time. So you have to plan for the worst there. One of my lenders said to me yesterday, he said, everything's great until a plane flies into a building. And (laughs) you just, you never know what type of international disasters and crises like hit and things that are totally out of your control. I mean, you know, I mean, we're in a great economy right now. I mean, unemployment's low, interest rates are low. So there's a lot of consumer confidence, but just one weird thing that like, that happens that could, you know, um, change everything. I mean, politics change. I mean, all sorts of stuff that, you know. Just a new president could change everything, you know, just a little bit of policy change, you know, a new president in a different country. I mean, things can be affected. And so I, interesting story about balloon payments or, uh, you know, a bank calling a note due my, the broker owner of my company. He's the most successful now a century 21 broker for residential in the world. Um, George Morris, great guy. I'm, I'm starting his, his commercial division. He's been all residential until now really? and just hugely successful. But there was a time in the downturn where he was struggling. He was in real estate and and all of a sudden he owed $30,000 on a house and he almost lost his personal residence. And he told that story mm-hmm. yesterday. And, and I think people need to hear those stories. They need to hear your advice because people my age that were in college in 2007, mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't know what was going on. We're just like watching YouTube and like, <laughs> we're going to class. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't know what the heck yeah. was going on. So that, that's why I ask you that. And, and, and that's huge. One, one, I guess, piece of advice or personal philosophy about it though, is like, we all have our political views and whatever. And, and that's, but what I, somebody told me early, early on, and it always stuck with me. It was like, don't ever blame or give credit to politics and the economy for your success or failure. If you want to be wealthy, the, the most successful, and most wealthiest people figure out how to adapt to the economy and create a strategy that Hey, if interest rates go up, here's, here's how I'm going to do a deal. Or, Hey, if you know, this tax gets implemented or this type of thing happens, you you just have to plan differently and plan better. And I think that, you know, I, I I will never, I'll never blame a politician for my success or fail, you know, blame a politician for a failure in a deal or real estate. And I'll never give them credit for it either. I think that, you know, you just have to adapt your strategy to what's going on in the economy. And, And if you do that, then, 
you know, you're not going to lose sleep over, you know, who's doing what in office and whatever, just it, it, that can be exhausting and, and, and take your eye off the ball, which I mean, the biggest fortunes have been made no matter what's happening politically or economically, people can, yep. you can take advantage and create a strategy that, that adapts to any, any economic condition. It's true. I got that same advice early on and I was all mad about a certain president <laughs> years ago that got elected and, and people get so caught up in, oh, my life's going to be ruined because mm-hmm. Trump's doing this or my life's going to be ruined because Obama did this. And yeah, I honestly don't pay attention to that. I vote for who I vote for. And at the end of the day, it's up to you to make the best of the situation. You know, Warren Buffett loaned Goldman Sachs $10 billion? Is that right? During the downturn, he was ready for it. And yeah. he took advantage. And, you know, the number one, the home builder in Utah, they were buying property. They had a cash reserves. They had about 7 million bucks, I believe. And they were, they were making offers to the bank at 30 cents on the dollar a month later. And the bank would say no. A month later, they come back at 20 cents on the dollar. And, <laughs> and certain, you know, the economy changes, then they take advantage of a certain way. And and laws change in Utah, and, and they've done really well no matter what. So that's I think great. that's a really good point. Absolutely. And, and don't do a deal just to do a deal. I have a lot of investors that they're so excited to buy an income property because they've been listening to Bigger Pockets, which is a great podcast. Yep. Or they've been watching HDTV and they want to flip so bad and yep. the margins aren't there. And you have to be patient. I, I've been waiting to find a really good deal for eight months now. I haven't done a deal in a while. I built a bunch of fourplexes last year in Idaho and I haven't bought land since then because it hasn't been the right land. And right. we've sent out plenty of LOIs and gotten zero accepted. Right. Because we yeah. won't come up to the market. You know, we know what we need to do. We we need to be conservative in this market. And so yeah. I, I love what you said there. A couple of guys I really respect that were in our meeting last weekend, neither of them have bought purchased a deal this year. Yeah. And, you know, one had remarked to me that he was getting his last deal, you know, it was a value add opportunity, getting all the ducks in a row there to make sure that deal ran well. Yep. And, and you know, he has a number of units, but he wasn't being overly aggressive about just making deals happen. He wanted to make sure that what he made, what the first one he did, or the last, I mean, the last deal that he did does what it, it, he said it was going to do for his investors. The other guy I think is doing, doing a similar thing. And he's also like, trying to make sure that it's the right deal that fits his parameters rather than just jumping into any old deal. Because I mean, anybody will sell if the price is right. Right. Oh, if yeah. somebody comes along and says, you know, we just bought a 205 unit for about 10 and a half million. If somebody came in and offered me 14 million today, I'd probably take it. Right. And it does yeah. not say it's yeah. worth it, but you go out and you say, okay, we, we, we flipped this and made quick money, but that's what, that's what's happening is then people are just, they want to do a deal. So they, they drive this, these prices up that aren't really sustainable. Here's one for you. I was analyzing one in in a really, really good location. I mean, it's a B asset built in 95 in an A plus location that is older, but gentrifying plus a ton of business going in there. You know, we're in the Silicon slopes kind of business coming in and asking price was 38 million. And so I'm working backwards, (laughs) working backwards. (laughs) I got down to offer of $24 million (laughs) and I was like, I cannot offer more than 24 million for this property. The guy owes 28, I found out. Wow. And he's probably going to get 38 because all of these investors are excited about the Silicon slopes and all the jobs, which it's amazing. Sure. But 
that that's property, the type of property that would be affected by the, the downturn because at some point yeah. then it won't be sustainable. Yep. Um, Unless rents increase by about $350 a month and they, yeah. well, they could eat, they could put down 60, 70%, you know, if sure. they wanted for a down payment and there's investors doing that, to be honest, there's a few yeah. of them I've seen here in Utah. There's a big syndicator putting down huge amounts of money because he realizes he's buying assets at a five cap, maybe a four cap. And yep but he can also raise 40 million in a month. So um, wow. he's in a good position. So look, we don't have a lot of time left. I want to promote you. You're, I know you're coaching for Rod Cleef. Is that right? I, I, yeah, I am. I have a handful of students with Rod. Rod's got a great platform, you know, give, give him a plug here, but you know, if people are looking at coaching and, you know, find some guru, you know, somebody that, that has a platform out there. There's, you know, Rod's not the only guy find right. somebody to connect with and, Somebody that's done it. That was my yeah. big thing. I actually paid for the coaching for Rod and I said, I need a coach yeah. that has units, is actively buying units, operating units, and has a track record. And yeah. and that's what who you are. So if people want to reach out to you, ask you questions, invest in your deals. I know you're yeah. looking for more deals. I mean, you have more than 15, what is it? Uh, 17 years experience. That's huge. Yeah. That's the type of person I look for when I look for a partner or a yep. coach or a mentor. What else do you have going on that we can promote or that we can, we can do for you? Sure. I, I appreciate it, man. You know, we're, you know, like I said, I've been doing, spend some time giving back, you know, by coach, you know, helping Rod with some of the students. So I don't, don't have a lot of that because I still have, you know, a business to run. So, right. but I really enjoy, I really enjoy that. And then again, you know, anybody can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn, just under Jason Perro. If they want to hit me up personally, they can, you know, my email is just my first last name, Jason Perro at yahoo.com. My cell phone, they can call me too. Just don't abuse it, but 814-397-8030. You know, we've got a nice pipeline of deals in Erie. You know, I love I love our area. And, and, and if anybody wants to talk about what we've got going on here, we'd love to, um, we'd love yeah, to connect. Maybe I'll fly out and I need, I need to place some money. I've got, got quite a bit of money. I've, I've been waiting to find the right operator to partner with, the right guy raising money. <laughs> last thing about last that I wanted to mention raising money the right way. I think yeah. it was clear last week and there's some people yeah. doing it not yeah. the right way. Do you do 506 B or C investments? We do B. You know, the reason the reason I didn't want to do the C, I mean it would be really easy at that point to if you do a C to, to advertise and promote. And I didn't yeah. feel as though I had those channels set up properly. But additionally with the B, I have just friends and acquaintances and me too on our social network that Maybe they're retired and have like a really nice nest egg, but they're not making $200,000 a year, right? Yep. And, and yep. I think that I wanted to be able to serve that type of investor. Yeah. So, so we do, you know, we do 506Bs. Now, I had a conversation with a friend of mine that's also in Rod Cleef's universe earlier this afternoon mm-hmm. that, you know, if you are going to partner up, I mean, you really want to make sure that you you follow the rules and that think yep. long and hard about, you know, doing it the right way. because. Yep what, you know, if and when the, the economy turns, you don't want to be stuck answering some really difficult questions with the SEC. And oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, as an example, if somebody has a lot of money or access to money to bring to a deal, you know, understand what, what else they can bring to the deal. Maybe it's, you know, it's just it, not just due diligence, but just be money, right? Yeah. An advisory role, you know, and, and like having, you know, legitimately having like monthly planning meetings and, and, yep. and, you know, having eyes and ears in the deal, not just like, because if, if you pay to play and if, if somebody's just getting compensated for bringing money to a deal, that's playing with fire. And, and I think that that was 
that's been made very clear. So right. I think right. um, just do it the right way and, and then good things will continue to come. Just take the time it takes to really map out what, what the right way looks like and, and having the right people on your team. That, that's huge. I, I am very, very slow to pull the trigger. I do my research and I, I wish my investors would do that as well sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but when I do, I go in full throttle. You know, I go in hard and, and I'm going to be very, very aggressive, but I do my research and a couple partners the same way. Well, listen, I, I've got to jump on another call. I don't want to sure. take all day for you, but you've been super valuable. 